You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Awesome. Well, the, the title of my message this morning is The Illusion of Control, and it's a good one. Holy Spirit was really kind of speaking to me, and I don't think I'm going to speak on that this morning. Um, you know, I, I, I got up this morning, and I read from a little devotional. And the devotional was actually talking about um, George Washington. And, you know, George Washington had a habit at 4 o'clock in the morning getting up and going for a walk in the woods with the Lord. And as he did that... There was a crisis that happened in, in his area, and there was, uh, there was the, the cotton farmers were having a beetle or some kind of a bug that was attacking their plants. What was that? Bow weevil. The bow weevil. There you go. And um, it was destroying the cotton plants, and, and George uh, Washington said to the farmers, you know what, you need to rotate your crops. Go from, go from the cotton one year and then switch over the next year to peanuts. So they switched over and they got rid of the bow weevil uh, a bug, but in doing so, there wasn't a need back then for peanuts. Like peanuts were just something that you would eat from the shell, and there wasn't all the other things that peanuts uh, we know they do today. So, with that, when the farmers harvested the peanuts, they they stored it all in warehouses. But the supply and demand there was so much more supply than there was demand, and the farmers started to panic and they started to worry and say, you know what, what are we going to do? Like. <laughs> We, we're, we're, we're not making any money. The crop is starting to rot in, in the storehouses here. And they went back to George Washington and said, what do you think we should do? And he says, you know what? I don't know. Let me go for a walk and seek the Lord and see what God says. So as he went for a walk that morning, he sought the Lord. and He said, Lord, would you give me the secrets of the universe? And God said to him, he says, you know what, son? Your, your mind cannot handle the secrets of the universe. He says, okay, would you give me the secrets of the, of the earth? He says, your mind couldn't handle the secrets of the earth. He says, then, Lord, would you give me the secrets of the plants? He says, you know what, son, your, your mind couldn't handle the secrets of the plants. He says, Lord, would you give me the secret of the peanut? And God said, I'd give you the secret of the peanut. And the Lord showed him on that walk 300 purposes for peanuts. Everything from shaving cream to uh, 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 bug, uh, bug killer, the pesticide, to, of course, peanut butter. And he came back, and he stood before the, the uh, people who were uh, marketing and selling peanuts, and they say, he says, you know what, I've got something to share with you. And they gave him 10 minutes to share, and he had 300 ways that he, they could use peanuts. And as he shared that, he spoke for an hour and 50 minutes, and the people were blown away at the knowledge and the wisdom that he had. You know, it's just been on our hearts so much lately, and I, I talked with Pastor Eastman yesterday about the importance of prayer and how big is our God. You know, I think sometimes we love going to church, and church is so important to be able to have fellowship with, with one another and to be able to, to really seek the face of God. But if God is small in our lives, and it's just something that we just kind of do, or just something that we kind of I, I have that habit of getting into, then you know what? We're going to miss out on that whole point of who God really is. We need to become so desperate for the Lord. 
We need to be pressing through like never before and getting on our face again in prayer and saying, God, we need a revelation to come to our world, God. God, we need a revelation to become in our, in our own lives. And as God was just kind of downloading some of this stuff to me, you know what? I just sat in that place and said, God, truly, if I'm honest with myself this morning, how big are you in my life? I love the Lord with all my heart. Man, I, I, I dedicated my life to serving him. But is God so big that I can say, you know what, no matter what happens in my life, that I trust that God is there. You know, this whole series that we're doing is, is plan B. And you know, I guess this sermon is just kind of a plan B because it wasn't what was prepared for today. And as we're getting into that place of just saying, you know what, Lord, like, let's do some spiritual inventory. Let's check out what is going on in our life, God. Father, let's get real and say, Lord, do we need you, God, or are you more of an appetizer in our life? And I think God is wanting not just to be the appetizer, but he wants to be the main course and he wants to be the dessert as well. God wants to be absolutely everything to us where it's kind of like it's, he's not a byproduct. He's not somebody that's just up there, but he's somebody who's saying, son, daughter, I want to have relationship with you like you've never experienced before. And I think that the world is, is and, and, and maybe the, the, the talk about Jesus coming back as Christians, we hear that and be like, yeah, 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 they've been talking about that for 2,000 years. And it hasn't happened yet, so it may never even happen in my lifetime, but the truth of the matter is, is it could happen any moment. And if we just become so lackadaisical about our Christian walk, we just become so whatever happens, God, I believe the enemy is going to lull us to sleep as a church. And we're going to miss what the Lord is speaking at the very key moments in our lives. That is what God is calling us to do. See, I was going to speak this morning on, um, on, on the story of Tamar and, 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 and control, what control is. And let me give you just a quick synopsis. You can find it in 2 Samuel verses, uh, 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 chapters 13 to about 16. And whenever we see a movie or whenever we read a story, I think we like to to look at our lives through the eyes of the good guy. You know, so in this story, there, there's, there's many different people. There's, there's Amnon, and Amnon is, is David's son. And Amnon is, is head over heels over his sister, Tamar. And he says to, he says to his buddy, like, I just want to get with Tamar. I just want to be with her. And he says, I know what you got to do. Why don't you just come up with a ploy? Why don't you just tell your dad that you're sick? And you can't get out of bed, and you, that uh, you need Tamar to be able to come and feed you your meal because you're too weak to be able to get up. He's like, that's brilliant. So he lays in bed, and his father comes by and says, what's going on? And he says, you know what, I'm so sick, I need you to send Tamar to my room so she can feed me. So he says, okay, and he, and he, and he sends Tamar, and as Tamar comes, he takes advantage of Tamar, he kicks out all of his servant, and he rapes her. And once he rapes Tamar, he becomes so disgusted with her. Sin's like that. You know what? There's a, there's a pull for us to be able to do something, and then we do it, and then it just becomes so repulsive. And sometimes we get so repulsed even with ourselves. 
where it's like, you know what? I can't believe I went down that road again. I can't believe that I did this and I did that again. And he's just like, you know what, Tamar, get out. Just I, Servants, kick her out. Lock the door. I want nothing to do with her. And she's like, brother, please don't do this to me. If you throw me out, it's worse than what you've already done. He's like, he's like I don't care. Get out. And he, and, and he gives her the boot. So then Tamar runs out, and she weeps, and she tears her clothes and pours ashes on her, on her head and starts to mourn. And then her other brother comes along, Absalom. And Absalom is like, what's wrong, sister? And she tells her the story, and he is so angry. Have you ever been Absalom where you become so bitter? You become so angry because something happened that is not right. But instead of going to the Lord about it, instead of saying, God, we need your help in this matter, you say, you know what, I'm going to take this into my own hands. And Absalom goes and he says, I'm going to kill Amnon, my brother. So he puts up this party and he invites Amnon and he kills Amnon. And then all of a sudden, once that's done, he fears and he runs and he hides because David the king, he's afraid for his life that David's going to kill him for killing his son. So as he's running and hiding and, and this kind of stuff, David is, is mourning for the loss of his son. And then as that's going down, he, he, after some time goes by, he says, you know what, I really miss my son. I haven't, I haven't seen him for a while, and he, and, and he sends out word to, to bring back Absalom. And when Absalom comes back, he comes back with an agenda. He says, you know what? I'm allowed back in the kingdom, but he gets ticked off because his dad doesn't see him right away. And he's like, things would be better if I were king. So as people are getting ready to see David, and they're getting ready to, to have some, some legal stuff all looked after, he's, Amnon meets them, uh, sorry, uh, Absalom meets them first and says, you know, what's going on? And they tell them the legal problems. You tell them what they're going through. And he starts to sympathize with the people. He starts to say, you know what, if I was king, if I was king, I think you got a really good case there. And he starts to say, you know what, I'd take your side. Hopefully David will do the same, but of course there's two people and he can't take both people's sides. And he would just sort of weave deception in there, and the Bible says that he started to win the hearts of the people. And then he says to his dad, he says, you know, dad, i got to go and worship the Lord over this place. Would you let me go? And dad says, yeah, go ahead and go. And as he goes on that trip, he writes 12 letters to the 12 tribes. And as he releases those letters, they're letters of deception that causes hostility about the way that King David is doing things. And people... The, uh, the, then all of a sudden a messenger comes before David that says, Absalom has gained the favor of the people. And you know what? They're coming for you, David. So David the king is in that place where it's kind of like, all I know how to do all my life was to be king. All I know how to do is to do what the Lord has shown me to do, and now I'm in a really, really difficult situation. What would you do? Where would you go? How would you personally handle that? So David decides to leave. He says to his mighty men, you know what, let's leave this palace. Before Absalom comes this way, let's get out of here. And we'll just leave it all to my son. And he leaves. And he thinks, okay, there we go. This is, this is the way to do it. And as he leaves, he makes this statement that says something like this. It says something like, you know what? I'm leaving, I'm giving it all up, and if the Lord's finished with me, he's finished with me. But if not, it's all God's anyways. What a powerful statement. Things are going to happen in our lives, friends, that we don't like. Circumstances, 
situations, mayors, governments, churches, pastors are going to make decisions that are going to tick us right off. And we can have the decision there to say, you know what? I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to leave. Or I'm going to make a big stink and let everybody know that, that that prime minister is just the worst prime minister in the world. But what is that going to accomplish? But when we get on our face before God and we say, God, I trust that you're bigger than this. Lord, I trust that you own the cattle of a thousand hill. That God, that you literally have the universe in your hands and that God, you can do it. Then something changes. And David caught that. And as David leaves, all of a sudden, a relative of Saul's comes out. And he starts throwing rocks at the king and swearing at him and cursing him. And one of David's mighty men says, you know what? I've had enough of this. David, let me cut his head off right now. And David says, I just lost my own son. Has taken over my throne. And this guy is a relative of Saul who lost everything. You know what? The Lord has sent him here to curse me. And if the Lord has sent him here to curse me, then don't you dare touch him. And as he travels, this guy just follows him, swearing, cursing. Shimmy is his name. He just kind of goes out and starts going against him. Imagine that. Imagine having that little annoying thing happening time and time again that it doesn't leave you alone. I experienced such a small portion of that one time. You know, I, I went to, when I first moved out here, when I was a teenager and I, and I, uh, I was a big Argo fan. The church that I went to in Toronto was, was, had all the Argos. The, uh, the pastor was the, um, the chaplain of the Argos, and the Argos would come to our church, and I was a big Argo fan. And the Argos had won the Grey Cup, and the very next year was a big trade between 16-player trade. At that time, I don't know whether it's changed now, it was the largest trade in history where 16 players went to the Argos and 16 players went to the Eskimos. And I went to the Argo game, and for the first time in my life, I had my Argo flag, I had my Argo hat, I painted my face blue. I was just like one of those creepy fans that, that I don't know why I did it. And I sat right in the Safeway seats, which are where the cheap seats. I was in Baba College, and I got right in. But of course, when you sit in the Safeway seats, you got no support there from other Argo fans. You're sitting by yourself in a, in a sea of, of, of gold and, and green. And the, the game started off, and I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be so good. Like, I just can't wait to see the Argos wipe these guys up. And the game was a blowout for the Eskimos. Like, it just wasn't even close. It was like 80-something like to three. It was awful. And when we scored our, our three points, I think it was in the third quarter, and I waved my flag, and everybody at the stadium laughed at me. I got up on the Jumbotron as the loser waving his flag at three points. And as I left, like, people are mocking me and throwing things at me and just, and, and I am, like, I'm, I'm so glad my face was blue because it was really red, which made me, my face more purple, I'm sure. And I was so angry, and as I was angry, all of a sudden, all the way out of the stadium, all the way to the LRT station, I have this guy behind me going, Argo knots, Argo knots. Argo nods, and he doesn't stop. He goes and 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 goes. Finally, first-year Bible college student, I'm like, you know what? If I get kicked out of college, I don't care. I made a fist, and I was about to turn around and smack this guy as hard as I possibly could, and I turned around, and I went like this, and it was a Down syndrome kid. 
And I turned around, I'm like, come on. And I was so upset, I was just like, I can't win. And I stormed out, and I'm just like, you know what, I don't even, I won't even watch another Argo game in my life. I was so mocked, I was so ridiculed, but you know, the truth of the matter is, is every single one of us will have a chance to have an annoyance into our life. But when we give it to the Lord, that annoyance will become that pearl. When we give it to God, God takes it and just uses it for his glory. So here David has nothing. He's lost everything. He's given it all up. And when that happens, he goes before the Lord, and and Absalom says, you know what? I haven't got enough here. I've got the kingdom. I've got the palace. I've got everything. But he ridicules David, and he sleeps with his concubines in, in, in open sight to mock him. And then that wasn't enough because, you see, when we walk around in a spirit of bitterness, when we walk around in anger, man, we can do whatever we want to whoever is mad, but it's never, ever satisfied. It never, ever fulfills that price. And the enemy wants us to think, come on, you know what? If only you could get revenge, that's going to solve it. If only you can get your way, you know what, you're going to feel so much better. And then all of a sudden, you know what, maybe you, maybe you go and you slash someone's tires or you do something like that, just kind of like, see, I'm going to get my way, and it just doesn't work. It's like, no, i got to teach that guy more, or i got to teach that, and there's, it's, 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 a, it's a vacuum. So Absalom goes after his dad and says, you know what, I'm going to kill him, which was such a huge mistake because David was a man of war. And a brilliant strategist. In fact, David said, don't, don't, don't kill my son. It doesn't matter to me. Don't kill him. But one of his mighty men had the opportunity and, and disobeyed David and ended up killing him. And David got everything back. But yet it was a bittersweet victory because he lost his son in the process. But in that time, I see in the word that David learned that everything that has been given to us is God's anyways. And if the Lord chooses to strip everything away, then that's his choice. And he knows more than than anybody else. And there's going to be people, and there was people, David had mighty men that's just like, you know what, go, just go. Just, what what are we fleeing for? We can take Absalom. Come on, let's go fight. And there's going to be friends and Christian brothers who are going to come alongside of you and say, you know what, fight. Fight for your rights. You know what? Don't let people walk all over you. You're not a doormat. But my friends, we need to get something into, deep into our spirit where we say, God, I understand that the Lord gives and the Lord can take away, but it doesn't matter because it's the Lord's doing. And when we have that in our heart, when we have that in our spirit, when all of a sudden a bad report comes, You know those bad reports? Your wife comes up to you and says, you know what, we're done. I've contacted a lawyer. I want you out of the house. You go to the doctor, and the doctor gives you that report, says, you know what, I'm sorry. We've done everything we can. There's nothing more we can do. And you get that report that comes that just just shakes the very foundation. At that very moment, If we are not so filled with the Lord, it is going to be too easy to walk in the role of Absalom, 
to walk in the role of Amnon because, again, we all think we're David's. Oh, God, David was a man after God's own heart. Lord, I'm a man after your heart, God. And that's what I want to be. That's what I choose to be. But yet Amnon was selfish. Amnon walked in that place where he took what he wanted, and then when he was finished, he was so angry, he just threw it away. Have we done that? I've done it. Then there's Absalom who became so bitter, who became so jaded. Man, I tell you, if the enemy can get a believer jaded, if the, if the enemy can get someone so upset over usually nothing, that he's got us right where he wants us. But if we can catch these principles where we walk in that place and we fall on our face before God and say, God, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. God, I need a new, fresh touch. Lord, I need a revelation, God, of who you are. Because my friends, I'm telling you, we, whether, whether the end times happens in our lifetimes or whether it doesn't, every single day is closer to the end. And when we walk in that place of saying, God, I am ready, Lord. Father, I just want to be so sold out to you that, God, I don't miss out on an opportunity to be able to worship you, God. Lord, nothing that I have is mine. And, Father, when those trials come, you know, I just love little, little Rob there, and as he's up there leading worship, just going for it with his heart, just kind of like, you know, the Holy Spirit's downloading things to him, and he's just sharing things, what God was sharing with me this morning. And we walk in that place and say, God, I need to renew, man, I need to renew my relationship with you. Like, I know I'm saved. I know if the, the rapture was happening tomorrow, I would not be here. But in saying that, I just, I just don't want to be saved. I want to be a threat. I want to walk in that place where it's just like, God, no matter what comes in my life, that, Lord, I can pray those big prayers. That I can say, God, when I pray for people around the altar and they, someone comes up and says, you know what, I've been diagnosed with cancer. It's not one of those things that, oh, Lord, like cancer is just such a, a disease. I hate cancer. When I went down to Reading, Bill Johnson was talking about cancer. And he says, you know what, in, in Reading, they, they, they make this statement from the pulpit all the time that says, Reading is a cancer-free zone. But then that causes conflict within the congregation because, because someone uh, last week died in the church from, from cancer. It's like, well, obviously it's not a cancer-free zone if this person died. But he says, you know what? Our job is to go to heaven and say, God, your word says on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, there's no cancer in heaven. So Father, I'm going to declare that Reading, I'm going to declare that Cold Lake is a cancer-free zone until, Father God, you do it. Until, Father God, you meet that need because, God, that is your heart to break that wicked spirit. My friends, are you willing to pray those big prayers? Because it's easy to pray the safe prayers. Yeah, God, I just give you my day. Lord, watch over my kids. God, give me traveling mercies. Amen. But when we step out and we start praying things that are impossible without the Lord, that is when God opens up the doors for miracles to take place. And I believe 
I believe that God is wanting to do miracles in our city. I believe that God is wanting to have a move of God that is so supernatural that all the churches in Coal Lake will be so blessed by it. My friends, that's kind of what God showed me this morning. Team, would you come? We got lots of time left. I don't know what, what time is it right now. 10.37, so we got like, oh, I spoke longer than I thought I would. But in saying that, guys, I just really encourage you this morning to ask yourself a very difficult question. God, how big are you in my life? Are you a little G God where it's kind of like, Lord, you're my Lord and you're my Savior. But God, I don't know if I'm honest, if I really trust you with everything. I don't know if I'm really honest, if I would really just say that God, no matter what news came to me today, that I would not be shaken because I could sit in that place and say, God, I trust you. You know what? Even if I die, Lord, may you be glorified through my death. You know what? There's this, it's like the, uh, the guy that was born blind. And all of a sudden, there was that big debate to saying, you know what? Whose sin was it that this guy was born blind? Was it his or was it his parents? And Jesus says it was neither. He was born blind so God would be glorified. My friends, is God being glorified in your life? Is God everything? Or is God a byproduct? And I can't answer that for anybody in this room except myself where I can sit in that place and say, guys, the Lord smacked me this morning. Everyone's like, what, hap what happened here? You know what? I guess the Lord smacked me. And he said, son, bigger things are coming, but you're not ready for it yet because I need to do a work in your heart before I can accomplish what I want to accomplish. And I sat there and I said, God, do what you want to do, God. I don't care about my sermon. I had some really good jokes in there, things that made, I, I like church to be fun. I think God is a fun God, and I'm a fun guy, and I love to have fun at, at church. But when the Lord says, Lance, I want to switch your agenda, I say, God, you're the pastor of this church. Yes, sir. What you want to do, God. And, it, and as he shared that with me, I really got back to that place of what Francis Chan said at this YC. That I wonder if we've become so casual with God that we just find ourselves praying at night before we go to sleep. We lay down in bed and, and we just start to pray and then boom, we fall asleep. That's kind of like, that's just our life. And he said, you know what? There's something about kneeling and just saying, God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You are God and I am not. And I know that some people in here have you know, maybe some of the elders or some people here have bad knees and, and this kind of stuff. And I'm not telling you to do anything that God's not telling you to do. 
But something changes when we fall on our face before God and say, God, examine my heart. Because, Lord, I don't want to live this week like I lived it last week. God, I want every week me to be growing and growing and growing and growing in your presence. So I'm done talking this week. And I just really encourage you, when you're finished, I'm not going to close the service. When you're finished, may the Lord bless you and have a great week. But we're going to just spend some time in prayer this, this, this morning. And you know what? If your prayer time spills over to the next service, I don't care. Draw a circle around you in the Spirit this morning and say, God, I'm not going to leave this circle until, God, I met with you. I'm not going to leave this place until, Father God, you've spoken to my heart. And you know what? If you're here till supper time, it's a crash door now. Walk out and the door will lock behind you. I don't care. All I want is for God to be glorified this morning and God to challenge us deep inside of our hearts. Amen? Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.